Do you remember as a young child the moment of selection for sports teams, or any team for that matter? I know for many it's a moment of excitement, often a little moment of dread, whether you'll be chosen at all or chosen last or those types of questions. But there was always a desire to be part of whatever it was that was going on, deep within all of our hearts, I think, that made those moments what they were, the activity, the thing that we really wanted to participate in. With our solemnity tonight of Mary, the Mother of God, we're really celebrating a couple of choices. The first, of course, is the choice of God in Mary to become the mother of his, of his son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And certainly in and through that choice then, God's choice to restore to life the human race, to, to restore to life with him the human race. And that really becomes the object of God's choice, life with him, and a way for all of us to participate and experience that. And that's really the gift of this solemnity in particular, that in God's choice of Mary to become the mother of his son, he has also chosen to give her to all of us who will come after in faith in Jesus Christ, Mary as our mother too. And in that sense, she becomes the very, mother, the very model of the church, all the faithful together. Uh, as we receive the faith, uh, make it part of our life, find our life within it, and learn to share it and pass it on, we're participating in the very motherhood of Mary in, in leading others to her son. This is, in a sense, the model of divine liturgy. Uh, God has given us his son so that we might participate in life with him. And the way that we do that while we're still in life here is through the divine liturgy, which we celebrate again tonight. I think this gift is really modeled for us even in the very gospel we heard tonight, the story of the shepherds after they receive the message from the angels and how they go to find Mary and Joseph and the infant uh, newborn child. Listen to what they share. <clears throat> the angels impart God's greeting and message to these shepherds, and they are inspired by this word, by God's word, to proceed to Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem, as we know, means the house of bread. Bethlehem is the house of bread. They are heading for the very source of this great news, the word God spoke to them. They are going to the new bread of life, the Christ child, which will become the Eucharistic bread that we share even here today. As they find this house, they humble themselves as they enter the presence of Mary, the mother of God, the mother of the church, and Joseph, her blessed spouse. This is, this is awe and humility, the characteristics that uh, undergird, at least they should, our own acts of contrition, our own penitential act as we enter into the sacred liturgy. 
The shepherds themselves then serve as a kind of lector, proclaiming the mysteries of God's word conveyed to them by the angels. They share what they heard with Mary and Joseph. And they share the very words that inspired them to come. In a sense, they speak God's words to the church there gathered as it existed at that time, the Holy Family. And then we hear in the gospel, all were amazed at what was spoken. And Mary, again, the model of the church, kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. This is for us in the sacred liturgy, that often too hastily neglected moment of silence meant to follow the readings, the gospel, and the homily. God has spoken to us. He continues to speak to us as we dwell upon the words of scripture and their connection for us today in this living context. The words themselves and our reflection upon them should build up in that silence a resurgence, a desire to act, and the motivation to move from contemplation of God's mysteries into the actual participation in them. It was the words shared by the shepherds that helped that encounter with Mary, Joseph, and the infant Jesus to become a feast for them, a feast for their souls, and the realization of a divine communion with the very God of creation. What a gift for them first to have borne the words that they shared from the angels to the very heart of the Holy Family. What a gift for those words to unlock for them the deep meaning of all that they were then seeing in Bethlehem. The divine communion they shared compelled them forward then in life, even as they returned to their fields. For now their souls were touched by the very glory of God's presence. They returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen precisely because it had happened as the angels themselves had foretold. Thus their encounter leads to thanksgiving. <clears throat> their encounter leads to thanksgiving. It leads to Eucharist. <clears throat> the gospel concludes then with the news. It concludes with the name that the angel told Joseph to give to Mary's child, being formally imparted upon him. It is this name, given the very power of God, through which all of humanity is ransomed from sin and saved from death. It is the name through which we have a restoration to human nature that makes divine communion possible. It is no accident that the bottom line of our Eucharistic prayer is through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Through Christ's name, with Christ, in Christ. 
And so today, let us continue to recognize in the Holy Mass, in this divine liturgy, a communion with God. May we hear God's word spoken in the acts of providence that touch our daily lives out in the world, especially noting those unexplainable victories in life where all seems lost or hopeless, yet we come through okay or untouched. May we learn to share them as the shepherds did. And may we hear the echoes of our daily victories in the stories of scripture that we hear proclaimed today. Seeing how God intends to bless us in his holy word as he prepares us for divine communion. And as we prepare to stand before God and commune once more with him, may we ever seek to listen more deeply to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he seeks to better inform our conscience and lead us to ever more authentic communion with Jesus, our Savior. And on that point, I might challenge and add today, when we face moments of temptation and are afraid to do what the Holy Spirit and God's word teaches us is just and good for our lives, may we have the courage to put Satan's lies to the test by asking ourselves this question, why am I afraid to die to self? Withdrawing or removing ourselves from moments of temptation itself is a form of glorifying God for his word spoken to us and his promise of eternal life. The devil uses the threat of not having certain things to entice us into grasping for those things that ultimately harm us. But if we ask ourselves that question, why am I afraid to die to self? we can more easily name the fear and thus see the basis of our enemy's lie. And then remember again God's word and promise that what we lose or surrender in this life because of his name, we will receive in a purified and fitting way for our restored human nature through the gift of the resurrection and eternal life contemplating God forever, like the shepherds contemplated the Christ child, who alone satisfies all the desires of the human heart. May Mary, the mother of God, the mother of the church, in her choice to say yes to God, continue to be the model of those who live a life of faith. As we celebrate her motherhood, may we re recognize in it the model of the motherhood that we're called to as we lead others through temptation and sin into a new life with God, into a deeper communion with him who has chosen us in and through Mary and in and through his son. We have much to celebrate in this solemnity. So let us rejoice once again in our eternal adoption by the heavenly father. And let us with Mary and her motherhood continue to echo our yes to God in our great amen.